Um, Back to the erection. Oh, back to the (laughs) erection. And particularly unwanted erection. Hello world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of loving is what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who got their news from Dynamite, their books from Scholastic, and their music from KTEL. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we will be saving the beloved, best-selling, and banned books of Judy Blue. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. 50 years ago, in the year 1970, a children's book came out by a new author that would, for the first time ever, shamelessly address the universal female experience of growing breasts and getting your first period. That book has been read by literally every woman slash former girl that I know. Literally every single one. It was our handbook for growing up, thus cementing it into the Gen X Hall of Fame. And because that handbook has never gone out of style, today, 50 years after its release, that book will finally be made into a major motion picture in the very near future. And that book, of course, is... Are Are You you There, there, God? It's It's me, (laughs) (laughs) You guys, is it even possible to overstate the significance of Margaret and Judy Bloom to your fifth grade classroom in 1978 or 1975 or 1979? Did I get the years right for you? Yeah, or I would would keep going with it. Or 1984 or 1990 or 2004. Exactly. 2004. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if kids are still reading it. My kids are older. But when my kids were in fourth and fifth grade, they were reading it. And that was in, you know, the mid 2000s, late 2000s. So what yeah, was not late two like? thousands, but you know what I mean. But like right. I think I mean it's it it transcends the decades. Yeah. Exactly. And I can remember this is kind of going back to something I referred to in the Christmas episode, but wanting my daughter to have that experience. So looking giving her Are You There God, it's me, Margaret, and just like, come on, it's time to read it. And getting so excited and she's not wanting to have anything to do with it, which was also kind of a weird disappointment because I couldn't wait to read it and she didn't want to read it. It's because you gave it to her. I know. We mothers have to learn and we never do. (laughs) Don't give your daughters books because they will not read it because you gave it to them. Give it to your friend and have your friend give it to them. (laughs) Or grandma can do it. Grandma can give your child books and they'll read them. But if I give anything to my son, it's, yeah, it gets... It's on the it's on the nightstand, but it's not going anywhere. But like, are crazy. you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Is such a um, it's almost like this. It's created this giant club or sorority, right? And it's like we, you know, our our secret handshake is that we must we must we must increase our trust. <laughs> that's all you would have to do is go up to someone, any woman our age, any you know woman 10, 15 years younger than us, or gosh, in any region and, of the and country. just yes. and just say anywhere. those words. All you have to do is say those words and they know exactly what you're talking about. Everybody knows what you're talking Uh about. And I mean, just to just to um, give an example. So the three of us are here fangirling about Judy Bloom, and we all grew up in different places. I grew up in St. Paul. So we're talking fifth grade in particular. I'm just putting a pin in fifth grade because that's kind of when it exploded for me. I was in St. Paul. Carolyn, you were where? I was in Houston, Texas. 
And Michelle, you were where in fifth grade? Uh, fifth grade, I was in Ridgefield, Washington, tiny okay. little town just north of Vancouver. And from in my fifth grade classroom in St. Paul, Minnesota, Judy Bloom was like an electric current that was running through the classroom, making its way, jumping from one girl to the next. There wasn't anybody who wasn't touched by Judy Bloom. And it continues to this day. And that's why I say I don't know a woman who didn't read those books in fifth grade. Yeah. I mean, you talk about that club and it makes me excited to think, Katie Couric is in that club. Yes. Like Jennifer Garner. Like any of us could go up to those people and we'd all just in unison um, start saying, I must, I must. And we'd all know what we were talking about. Beyonce is probably in that club. Oh, I have no doubt. That is a really good (laughs) observation, Carolyn. We're in the same club. That's so funny. Okay. Do you guys remember your first exposure to Judy Bloom? The first time you learned who Judy Bloom was or what? What was the first book that caught your attention? I, I don't know. I honestly, I, I feel like I can't remember a time when I didn't know Judy oh, Bloom books. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure which books I started okay. with. Um, I know I loved, um, I mean, I think it would be probably like Sheila and otherwise known as Sheila the Great and, um, you know, Peter and Fudge, but I don't know because, um, like I said, I can't remember what the first one was. I know that, um, um, I'm pretty sure Margaret, I read before fifth grade um, because my sister and I used to act out all the Judy Bloom books <laughs> when we lived in this farmhouse in Oregon when I was in like fourth grade. And so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just know they all kind of, it's like a domino effect. I just yeah. know that they all just kind of go in to each other for me. But the mm-hmm. fact that you, that they all, that you have a memory of them always existing, that always. in and of itself is uh-huh. sort of an indication. Carolyn, do you remember? Yeah. Well, I would say mine were, um, were read alouds and it was, um, Tales of Fourth Grade Nothing and Blubber. I remember being read aloud, uh, by my teachers, which is interesting because I felt like it was a huge leap to, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. It just felt like, what? That's the, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, fourth grade nothing and um super fudge and that kind of, I mean it just it did not <laughs> going it, from it that to felt bullying. a little um different or mm-hmm. something there was something um incongruous well and it word? was following you on your own development if you think about well it, it really was right? when you think about it yes it was, when you were ready for margaret there it was waiting for you my first exposure is very distinct for me um it was in second grade, a read aloud, just like you, Carolyn, in Miss Swartz's class, except I said Miss Swartz. In, <laughs> in second grade, I said Miss Swartz. Um, and she read Tales of Fourth Grade Nothing. And this was significant for me in a lot of ways because I had just moved from California to Minnesota and everything was different. The people were different. The names were different. The things people ate was different. And it turns out that the books that they read in school were also different. And so when Miss Fourth read Tales of Fourth Grade Nothing, I remember thinking that this book was so modern. It had contemporary kids in it. And so my, my teachers in California must have been reading books from the 50s. And those that's what I thought of as a children's book. And I was fascinated by the fact that they lived in these high-rise apartment buildings. As, oh, right. Yeah. As whole families living in Manhattan, living in New York City. That was fascinating to me. These books were funny and the kids weren't precious. Right. And so this, when I moved to Minnesota, I had this idea that Minnesota was like this mecca of all things modern and new. 
They had bathrooms inside at school. It was crazy. (laughs) The irony that Minnesota would be the new and California would be the old fashioned. Yeah. Well, I lived in a small farming town, so that that were they reading like boxcar children to you, or what were they reading? Honestly, I don't even remember. I don't. I mean, that says something right there that the first one that I actually have a concrete memory of is Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. I mean, Mm -hmm. I remember them reading to us. I Mm -hmm. remember Mrs. Jacobson and Mrs. Morgan reading books, but I don't remember any of the titles, meaning I must have been nominally invested. Whereas when Miss Fourth was reading Tales of a Gross, (laughs) I can't even say it, Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing, I was all there. It was modern, and these were kids that mm-hmm. I would hang out with. They weren't precious little children. I totally agree with you, though. On um, I was infatuated with their lifestyle, with living yeah. in um, New York City, mm-hmm. and they all lived in the same apartment building, and they rode an elevator to get yes. to their house. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. And they had friends that lived down the hall. And especially yeah. when you live in a small town, we didn't have many apartment buildings in our small, in our small farming Mm-mm. town. That doesn't mean that people weren't renting property. They were. We just didn't have apartment buildings. So that was that was crazy. That was like watching a TV show or something. Mm-hmm. I also was fascinated by um, the father working at the TV studio. Oh, yeah. Doing the ad campaigns. Yeah. Like, well, like he was the ad, yeah, the ad guy. But then yeah. that whole that whole storyline. I loved it. Was it the toddle bikes? Wasn't it the toddle bikes or something? Yeah. I had to go ride the toddle bike or Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, Can I just go on the record and say, for any listeners we have out there, do not worry if you do not remember all of these little (laughs) details of these books. I I do not know how these women remember the ad campaign that the father worked at I used TV to read studio. it aloud to my students when I was a teacher. Well, that so might have yeah, that might helped, be it. And I read it aloud to my own kids. But yeah, I bet I bet that's the first exposure was um but I started with Sheila I started otherwise known as Sheila the Great, and that's how I got into Tales of Fourth Grade Nothing. So um, Sheila was your first one. Sheila was my Tales Sheila must have been my first Judy Bloom character because so I was a huge one. Beverly Cleary fan. So I went right, and I was an early reader. So I went okay. right from all the Beverly, all the Ramona books and everything into Sheila and Peter and Fudge and yeah. Okay, so I'm mm-hmm. sensing I'm sensing a direction. If you had, and I'm going to ask Michelle first because I know what she's going to mm-hmm. say. Um, if you had to choose, yeah, could you pick a top three? Oh, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I otherwise known as Sheila the Great because that was. I fell in love with Sheila before I fell in love with um, any other character, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, and then my other two, um, it's really hard, but um, Blubber, because I read, that's probably one I read um, repeatedly um, and more than any other other ones and starring Sally J. Friedman as herself. I was fascinated by that book and I can't really pinpoint why. I don't know if it was because it took place in a different time in history. Um, if it was just because um, of the whole kind of subplot where she thought her, was it, was it someone who lived in her grandma's community she thought was Hitler or something oh, like Mr. that? Oh, Mr. Zavodsky. Yeah, Mr. Zavodsky yeah. lived in her apartment building and she thought he was Hitler. Okay, so there was that whole kind of mm-hmm. subplot going on. And so that, um, and to be honest with you, I was fascinated by the cover of that book. Does that oh, make yeah. sense? I yep. remember the cover where she's she's trying to be the pinup girl. She's looking in the mirror. And, and she's putting the hibiscus behind her yep. ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved that book. I, I love that book too. Now, Sheila, I will point out, um, for people who don't remember, Sheila otherwise known as Sheila the Great, is connected to Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. Because Peter Hatcher is in Sheila, right? 
Yes. And Sheila is their friend and she's the one who's allergic to dogs. Yes. She okay. gets hives. Well, she's not really. She's afraid of dogs, but she tells everyone she's allergic to dogs and that she gets hives. And that she gets hives. Right. And so they vacation together in Maine. And Judy Bloom conceived of this book when she went on her own vacation to Maine in Southwest Harbor. She was renting a house in Southwest Harbor for the summer. And if you need a place to go post-pandemic and you're looking for a good vacation spot, Southwest Harbor is beautiful. And so she took Southwest Harbor. She just picked it up and she plopped it down in the book. So all of the stores she went to, all of the people that she meet, meets, the people that have, she actually took their names and put them in the book. She said she wow. arrived at her rental house and there was a swing hanging there and the story just came to her. Wow. And there's wow. Sheila and there's Peter Hatcher on vacation in Maine. Okay. So your top three, Michelle, were otherwise known as Sheila the Great, Blubber. Blubber. And starring Sally J. Friedman as, your, as herself. herself. Carolyn, what are, can you pick a top three? Is it possible? Um, well, I have a top three. I don't know that I would say they're my favorite. They are just the ones that left um, indelible memories with me, it, what was going on in my life at the same time. So um, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret is one that I would have to put up there. Uh, Deanie was another one uh, because there was... I don't know if you all remember this, but um, being uh, checked for scoliosis during gym class in middle school and you'd bend over and <laughs> go through that process. And I'll never forget, I had to bend over like three times. Everybody else was getting out of the line and the teacher would say, or the you know, gym teacher bend over again. And then, then they wrote something down on a oh, piece no. of paper. You have no idea. It That's was just terrifying. Awful. Had you and already so, read Deanie? Yeah. Well, this is what's interesting. It was just, um, I think that I had, but I think I went back to it again. Cause like it, that maybe didn't mean as much to me then, but I was like, oh my gosh, that was like Deanie in that book. Yeah. And so then I went back to it. I think this probably could trace my anxiety issues back to this. Cause I was just <laughs> sure I had it. And then I had to go get x-rays and all that turns out I didn't, but, um, that book and just how she had to deal with all of that. And then now revisiting that book, it's not as much about her and her feelings about the brace. It's more about her mother. I don't know if you remember, but her mother was that kind of um, stage mom that mm -hmm. we all read about and hear about that stereotype. And Didn't she wanted she Dini to be a model. Yes. Yeah, she wanted Dini to be a model, right? A model. And yes. the sister was going to be something too. The sister she was the was smart one. Yeah, so right. it's really very much about parental expectations. Dean exactly. is Helen is the brain. And Judy said, this is so funny you say that, Carolyn, because Judy Bloom has said that she got the idea from Deanie after having a conversation with a woman about her daughter being diagnosed with scoliosis. And this mother was beside herself, and she was far more upset than her daughter was. And that's where the seed came from. And yeah. I also get, like you said, the the stage mother thing, I get a very fame vibe from Deanie. Do you remember Doris Fensecker from Fame? who's trying out for the high school of performing arts and her mother's got the camera out while she's <laughs> same relationship. Exactly. The Brooklyn mother push, push, pushing her daughter. Right. And well, Dini doesn't even want to be a model. She doesn't right. care. Right. So that care. book. And then, um, then again, maybe I won't because it kind of gave us a, a window into the boys mm -hmm. and what they were experiencing. And, um, I really didn't have any other way of getting that information because I wasn't going to talk to a boy. I didn't have any brothers. I wasn't going to talk to my parents about it. So it was um, kind of educational in, in terms of that yeah. stuff. And I totally agree. And, you know, it's interesting. I was reading a New York Times article where they interviewed um, 
some famous authors and celebrities and kind of asked them what Judy Bloom books meant to them. And John Green, you know, John Green. Oh, the, I love um, John yeah. Green. Oh, I know. I saw John Green in I person together. Oh, he, yeah, I love his books too. He's, um, he actually said, kind of the flip of what you just said, Carolyn, he said he loved Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret for that very reason, because it gave him an insight into what girls were going through. He said, you know, you can, they don't, the boys don't go to that class or, you know, they didn't when he was mm -hmm. in school. So he said he loved, um, he loved reading her books and especially Margaret because he could kind of understand, helped him understand what girls were mm -hmm. going through. Um, so my... I'm mirroring you a little bit, Carolyn, because my mm -hmm. surprise number three, and I guess it's not very surprising at all now that I understand, my surprise number three is then again, maybe I won't. And I couldn't really identify before why why I enjoyed it so much, but it must be that there were these things that I didn't understand and I didn't know how to get the information. Although I did ask my dad what a wet dream was. I was <laughs> sitting in the living Gordy. room. Gordy was reading his book. I'm reading my book and they get to the part about the wet dream. And I just popped out with, what is a wet dream? And he sat there for a minute, just really silent. Like he was, I'm sure he was going, ah, shit. Um, <laughs> and he's finally said, it's like a period for boys. <laughs> And I put my nose right back in my book and willed him to stop speaking. Stop speaking. Did you think boys bled? Oh, yes, I know. So I thought he was having blood coming out of his penis. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Dad, Gordy, we need to get Gordy on the line right now. He needs to explain himself. Oh, my goodness. And there were so many things, and then again, maybe I won't, that, um, well, he talks about getting hard. I'm like, what is hard? I didn't understand. Oh, my God. Now that you said that, that brings back such a memory for me, too. Remembering the first couple, probably couple times I read that book, not understanding what that meant either. What is hard? Yeah. yeah. He was getting hard. Like, was something, it was a math problem that was hard? I didn't know. Okay. So then again, maybe I won't as my surprise number three. Um, my number two is Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. It's one of the funniest books that I've ever read. It is a model for how I try to write my own stuff, right? I, I, the care, it's mostly about the characters that she created. I will always love Peter Hatcher. I will always love Fudge. Those are just the funniest mm -hmm. two people ever created. And then my number one is like you, Michelle, starring Sally J. Friedman as herself. And there is these, that one is different from her other books significantly. Um, the sentence structure is different. The story is different. It's the only one that goes back in time. But I really, really identified with Sally and I thought she was hilarious too. The whole mm -hmm. idea of her, thinking that Mr. Zavodsky was Hitler was just funny. But then back to John Green. Um, so John Green, of course, is the author of The Fault in Our Stars. Did I say that right? The Fault yep. in Our Stars? God, total brain fart. So Judy Blum has said that she had just one goal when she was writing her books, and that was to be honest. And she did that by addressing the things that she worried about as a child. She had so many questions, especially about growing up, things about puberty. When was she going to grow breasts? When was she going to get her period? And she was a late bloomer, and that really bothered her, and she wondered if something was wrong with her, and she just wanted to be normal, and nobody would share this information with her. And she felt like there were so many secrets that people were keeping. And because she was an anxious child when nobody would talk about these things, the things that she made up in her brain about what could possibly be wrong were far worse than the actual answers. And <laughs> well, so that doesn't uh, sound familiar. I know, right? <laughs> I relate to that. Yeah. Huh. Why do I have blood weird in my penis? So this became her hallmark, which was talking about the things that nobody would talk about. Um, she talks about how she 
asked her dad about periods. I mean, she really wanted to know this stuff. She's putting cotton balls in her T-shirt and she's trying to figure out what she's going to look like when she's a big lady. And she asks her dad about periods and he tries to tell her something about the full moon and lunar cycles. (laughs) And so then she has this idea in her head that every time there's a full moon, every single woman on the planet is having (laughs) a period right then. So the secrets were driving her crazy. So that's why her books are about these things that no one will talk about. So I'd like to do an experiment with you guys. I have a list of things we're not supposed to talk about, Mm. particularly with children. We have to protect the little children. And I want to see if there's a corresponding Judy Bloom book that comes up in your mind. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is a little bit of a quiz (laughs) or a test. And there's more than one answer for each one. Does everyone know that you are a school librarian? I'm a librarian. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I just want that to go on the record. Listeners are wondering, like, wow, Kristen is really knowledgeable about all this stuff. And Michelle and Carolyn know I'm kind of savant. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Carolyn and Michelle are teachers. I'm a children's librarian. Um, Yeah. So we have a wealth of knowledge between the three of us. Well, it's been 25 years for me. And we're parents, too. Um, Okay. So here we go. Drum roll, please. Getting your first bra. Oh, yeah. Are you there? It's me, Margaret. I, what did I do? What word just came out of my mouth? I don't know what that Magua. was. <laughs> Magua. Magua. <laughs> Getting your first period. That's Margaret. I would say, are you I there? God, it's me, yeah. Margaret, as well. And also in Dini. Um, there are different, there are multiple titles for each one of these. Masturbation. Yeah, that's D. That's what I remember from Dini. Oh, and, hell yeah. And also, then again, maybe I won't. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Um, wet dreams. We already and talked again, about maybe I won't. And again, maybe no. I won't. Periods for boys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Losing your virginity. Forever. Mm-hmm. Pregnancy. Well, I know well, they talk she... about it in forever. That was my first birth control, like, Absolutely. reading about it. Oh, I it. didn't put birth control on here. That would have been a good wow. thing to put on the list. And yeah. sometimes it's Well, just and a... then again, maybe I won't. Doesn't his um, yeah. his sister-in-law oh, gets pregnant? Yeah. He wonders, like, oh, I don't want... I was just skimming through that um, during a little bit of research this weekend. And he's like... they. She says she's pregnant. And he's like, I don't even want to think about what they have to do yes. to, for her to get pregnant. She gets pregnant like twice in the book. And that's that's a really good point that sometimes all she has to do in these books is mention something. It's not that she necessarily explores these topics. But when you drop in a comment about somebody getting pregnant and you're like, oh, God, what did they do? Right there, you mm-hmm. as the reader, you're identifying with that feeling, right? In Sally, do you remember somebody gets pregnant? I think it's her aunt. I think it's her aunt Betty. And everybody's talking. They're so excited about the addition. There's going to be an addition. Oh, that's like, right. what? What's the addition? What's what is it? But again, nobody will talk about it, and they mm-hmm. won't tell her. And she's like, "How can it be such a happy thing if you won't tell me what it is?" Okay, first kiss. I want to say. Margaret, but there might be other stuff. Margaret, um, Deanie, Deanie, she has her first kiss. Oh, that's right. Divorce. Oh, that's um, it's not the end of the world. Yes, erection. I didn't like that book that much. I, um, I I was not able to find it this time around. I read it when I was a kid, and I of course I loved every book that I read. I didn't read it again <laughs> recently. I mean, I haven't read it probably since I was a kid. I just went and read the synopsis and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that book. The whole thing is, I mean, a lot of her books are tough. Like then again, mm-hmm. maybe I won't deals with a lot of other, you know, a lot of stuff, but yeah. it's not the end of the world is it's kind of depressing from the beginning. 
There's not a lot of uplifting stuff in that book. She says that that was a very difficult book to write. Mm. Um, It's a difficult book to read. But she Mm -hmm. said it was very necessary because she needed to put out there. She needed to show people what the process was and to validate people for the feelings that they were having. And then, of course, when they get their feelings validated, then they start to feel normal. Mm-hmm. And that's really all she wanted. She just wanted to know that she was normal. So she's trying to tell those kids who are going through that experience that they're normal. So that was a hard book for her to write. And it's a hard one to read. Yeah. Um, back to the erection. Oh, wait, back to the <laughs> erection. And particularly unwanted erections. Oh, well, that was then again, maybe I won't. So that was another part of the book I didn't understand where he's he's mm-hmm. up at the board and he's trying to hide his erection with mm-hmm. his math book. And I'm like, what is he doing with the book? I don't care. I remember in... Remember what um, I and when I was skimming it this weekend, I didn't even get to that part. But tell me if I'm wrong, because this is how I'm remembering it from the last time I read it, which was the whole thing, which was probably when I was, you know, a preteen. Doesn't he keep saying in the book he just wants it to go down? He go just down. Wants it to go down. Yes. In my mind, I was thinking his zipper. And oh, I remember <laughs> thinking, why does he want his zipper to go down? Oh, just go down. He just. I didn't know what an erection was. I mean, I probably no. read this book in you know fourth grade. Right. I'm pretty sure I was fourth grade too. And just like Judy Bloom says, this is a lot of stuff that I didn't really want to, like, you know, I had an open relationship with my mom. She, I could have gone and asked her that, but I didn't want to. No, you don't want to. Uncomfortable. Like I knew, I knew enough. I didn't know what it was in the book. What was going up? It's why wouldn't he want it to go down? Like, I mean, why would he want it to go down? You would want your zipper to go up, (laughs) but I knew it was uncomfortable enough that I didn't want to go. You knew it had something to do with Behind his zipper. Behind his zipper. Okay. Um, War and death, particularly death from war. I believe that's Sally, isn't it? Sally. Mm -hmm. And then then again, maybe I won't. Yes. So his older brother Vinny is killed in Vietnam. Um, And one thing that's really interesting about that is that he's a little ambivalent about it. And so she gives kids permission um, to have these odd feelings that aren't the feelings that adults would want them to have. You know, you you would want your child to be, um, oh, my brother Vinny, I miss him so much. Well, maybe he didn't have much of a relationship with Vinny. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, God, do we have to go to the cemetery again? Mm-hmm. Um, and then in Sally J, yes, Michelle, um, World War II, that the whole mm-hmm. book opens with the ending of World War II. And now Uncle Jack was going to come home. And there was, and then, oh, and then there's the whole Hitler part. Yeah, I've got to find that book again. It wasn't at the library when I, or, you know, the online library. Um, I and two. I don't know where my copy is. Oh, <laughs> I wish I could see you in person and then you could own me one. Only. Um, okay, War and Death, Anxiety. That's also then again, maybe I won't because he, um, he has to, he actually gets hospitalized. Yes. Because he has mm-hmm. terrible stomach pains and then they do all these tests and say, right, he's fine, but he has to go see a psychiatrist. And they give him pills to take. And so he takes his pills and they make him feel much better. Wow. Yeah, because he was, was dealing with he was dealing with um, you know, all the the puberty feelings, all the all mm-hmm. the boy periods and the the <laughs> erections, um, because of the neighbor girl, right? She's like yes, he's crushing on her. Mm-hmm. And then the his parents were messed up because the brother had died in Vietnam, and then wasn't his friend like shoplifting? Yeah, that was. Yeah. He, thought, he felt really uncomfortable with that, so he was dealing with a lot. 
Mm-hmm. And the mom got all, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. And um, and then there's the whole grandmother. And she, if you remember, they oh, um, right. she, she had cooked. She Like, that was her thing in the family. She lived with the family. And her job was to kind of cook and help around the house. And then when they get all well-to-do, they hire a maid because that's what all the neighbors have. And grandma doesn't have anything to do anymore. And she kind right. of retreats to her room. And she it's never really, comes out and she just no, watches right. Man, he had a lot going on. Yes, he, he did. did. No wonder he had stomach pains. Right. right? And the thing Poor that's guy. interesting is all of those things are normal things, right? right. That is something that happens in the course of a normal life. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. you would hope that your brother wouldn't die. But still, nonetheless, those are things that happen in the course of a normal life. It doesn't mean they're not stressful. Right. Oh, okay, we're getting God. serious now. Racism. Yeah. Iggy's house, oh, which was almost in my top three. In fact, that mm-hmm. is, I, I, that really would have, if I could, I wish I could have four. I loved Iggy's house. And I, we're going to um, give you a number four. We're going to give you a number. Thank four. you. <laughs> I loved Iggy's house. I was so fascinated. I loved Winnie. I thought she was hilarious. Um, that was one that my sister and I used to act out like in detail, like down to where I would pop my gum like Winnie, oh you know, God. and, um, she gets in trouble. I for loved all those gum. characters. I yeah. loved the, you know, the germs incorporated was the, you know, the racist mom of the little prissy girl. And, um, gosh, what a, what a story though, that resonates. And that was hundred percent. That today. is a very ballsy first book. So Margaret is not her first book. Iggy's right, book is, right. Is, Iggy, yeah. Iggy's house is her first book. They came out in the same year. They both came out in 1970. And I reread Iggy's house right after George Floyd was killed because right white people are in the midst of like examining every word, everything, every thought, everything that's been taught to them over the course of their lifetimes. And I wanted to go back and see what was I taught as a kid? Where did my ideas about race come from? And so I went back to Iggy's house and I was amazed at how Judy Bloom, this white lady, was able to portray this very nuanced and complex idea of racism in a very easy and digestible way. Um, there, and yet at the same time, she doesn't spell things out and she's not preachy. So Winnie, we know now because we have words for it, Winnie was essentially trying to be a white savior. Mm-hmm. But it's not working. Judy mm-hmm. Bloom does not allow her to run to jump in and save the black family that moved into the neighborhood. She wants to badly, but that's not how this problem is going to be solved. And so Winnie keeps getting knocked down by trying to save them. I mean, I'm sure Judy Bloom didn't do that on purpose. I'm sure she didn't. I, I think there must be some instinct going on in her head that allows her to do this. Um so I would say a, a book about racism written in for children in 1970 is still working today. It's, it's it, it should be, it yeah. should be, it should be assigned reading. I agree. Today. I agree. It's so Winnie is all of us. She's, she's all the children. She's all the adults wanting to say the right thing, but kind of not knowing what is the she right thing to say, to right. Right. but having nothing but good intentions in her heart. Right. To, um, to and and so at the end of the day though what what I love about it is at the end of the day she just realizes the best thing she can do is just be their friend yeah. right and just be herself and be their friend be their supporter mm-hmm. yeah um it's I a great book it's a, it is such it's still relevant today it's still relevant today there's some terminology that is outdated but there are <laughs> topics that are important to bring up to kids like blockbusting at the time i didn't really understand what blockbusting was and now this is a historical concept that needs to be addressed and our kids need to know about it right um okay shoot i had one more thing to say about 
Oh, oh, I know what it was. Okay, so when we're in the midst of examining our own programming as children, I was wondering what would have happened, right? We believe what the people around us believe. We believe what what we're given. I was given Iggy's house. So that's the seed that was planted for me. What if Germs Incorporated had gotten to me first? Mrs. Landon, who's the, the woman on the block who wants to get the Black family to move out. What if Mrs. Landon had gotten to me first instead of Iggy's house getting to me first? Would that have been my programming, mm-hmm. right? It's just It just shows you how easy it is mm-hmm. to point a child in the right or wrong direction. Definitely. Okay. I'm still going with my list. Um, And actually there's an, there are little aspects of racism planted throughout her books In Sally J they're traveling on a train from New Jersey to Florida. And she's playing with a little girl from a black family. And eventually she comes back and they're gone. They made them move into the quote unquote colored car and her, and she's, asking her mother why they had to move. And her mother's like, stop asking so many questions. It's just the way it is. We're in a different part of the country now. And she's challenging her mother on this. And her mother's like, just stop it. It's just the way it is. And it's just, it's two pages. It's barely anything in the book, but she drops it in there. Um, and it, interestingly, my mother had the same experience when she was growing up, went going on a road trip with her family from California through the South. And her mother gave her the same answer. She's Hmm. pushing her mother on how come they can't go in this bathroom with me. And her mother's like, it's just the way it is. Just Mm -hmm. the bathroom. It's just the way it is. My mom had the same one driving from New York to Florida and getting a drink from the water fountain and going to the wrong one. And my grandfather pulling her away and her not comprehending that why couldn't she use this water fountain? And it had said colored above it, but she didn't even... It didn't even register and with her. So. Things you can't talk about. And so right. sure nobody was answering her questions. Exactly. Can't exactly. talk about it. Um, following close on the heels of racism is anti-Semitism. Um, Isn't that, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Honestly, it's in all of them. I was going to oh, say, it's in starring Sally J. Friedman as herself, yeah. too. It's certainly well, in Sally J. In Margaret, remember her mother, um, her grandparents disowned her mother because she married a Jew. Oh, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are little pieces of it through, really dropped in throughout her, all of her books, probably because that was her experience growing up. And um, that was my first experience um, with like anyone that was Jewish. Just yeah. even, you know, I, agree. Um, I think it was mine too. My, not till I moved from Texas to New Jersey did I know anyone that was Jewish. Mm-hmm. Did I even understand um, anything about it? It was just not. I was Catholic and that was just mm-hmm. not the right thing or whatever it mm-hmm. was. Um, so that was my first experience of hearing it, reading about it, mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah. That's same a lot course. about the value of exposure, right? Mm-hmm. Some of us live in small towns. We only have exposure to the kinds of people that live around us. Um, and in Judy Bloom's books, you got to visit people who were Jewish and who lived in high rise apartment buildings. <laughs> right. Indeed. And yeah. Exposure is what allows us to be tolerant without exposure. Mm-hmm. We're not tolerant. Okay, here's an interesting one. It seems like a small thing, but to Judy Bloom, it was a really big deal. Parents fighting. That's in almost all of them, I would say. It's in yeah. all of them. It's yeah. In all of them. And prior to Judy Bloom, um, one thing she said she was never going to do, she said, parents fight. And she said, I am going to deal with it. I'm going to deal with it. And none of my books will have the kids going to Aunt Becky's house. Because prior to Judy Bloom, there, think about it. How many books were the children spending the summer at, you know, the grandparents' house? Or the parents weren't even there, 
right? But she was like, this is ridiculous. I am going to deal with it. And part of it is because she was focusing on children. She was writing for children who are 11 and 12 years old. And that is the age at which you start to understand that your parents are real people. And that can I think, and I think she yeah. does. It's also, it's not just the relationship of the parents with each other, but it's also the relationship with all of the characters with their parents, yes. because it's also a very hard time. There's a lot of fighting with parents mm-hmm. in it. There's, um, and it's just so realistic. It's, um, it's, talking about how, you know, your parents might not understand you or things you, you're you're starting to feel uncomfortable talking to your parents about. Um, it's so realistic. She has children being sassy to their parents, mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. back to their parents, getting punished. She shows parents being vulnerable, like when the kids are being sassy or something and they're like, oh my God, just like go away. Mm-hmm. And not saying the word cleaver thing, right? Yeah, when you're in this in-between stage. When- answer. When you're at the age of all of almost all of her of the main characters is when you're in that kind of in between stage where you still kind of want to be the little girl, the little boy, yeah. but you're growing up, and so you're you're kind of having to redefine your relationship with your parents, mm-hmm. and so it's often very hostile. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she does a great job of reflecting that. Mm-hmm. And so then, as a reader, you feel okay. You, you feel, feel like okay. yeah, you know that you're normal, and that's what she's mm-hmm. trying to do. Okay, this one was easy scoliosis. Oh, that's Deanie. Deanie. And we were all terrified of scoliosis, right? Oh, my gosh, yes. So scared. And did you guys have to watch the movie where they did surgery? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. What? Why did they do that? Oh, okay, I didn't so watch we had, we had to go to the gym teacher and bend over. And then you came back in and you watched a movie about scoliosis. And they showed you how if you had scoliosis, you would either have to wear this cage on your body. If you didn't wear the cage, then you had to have surgery. And you guys, they showed the surgery. What? They pulled off the skin. You could see the vertebrae. You could see the muscles. It was a shit show. That's terrible because it's not like it's a scare tactic. Like when we saw the films of the the lungs after you smoke. Yeah, the scoliosis is something you can't help. I know. Why would they want to scare you? Scare you into what? You can't behave differently and get rid of scoliosis. Right. Isn't that horrible? Oh my God. Grown-ups are ridiculous. Um, Bullying. Uh, blubber. Oh, blubber. Blubber. Well, probably other ones too, but Blubber for okay. sure. Blubber for sure was centered on that. And that she said she wrote after her daughter would come home from school and tell her stories about mm-hmm. what was happening in school, on the school bus. It's very much about school bus culture. And in all of these stories, the teacher was doing nothing. Right. And she just couldn't stand it. For me, I reread that recently and it was very painful to read. Yeah, It's shocking to me that that's one of my top three and one of the ones I reread more than any others because mm-hmm. I hate conflict. I'm very uncomfortable with people fighting. I'm very uncomfortable with situations like that. So maybe I read it, you know, maybe actually it makes a lot of sense. It's the reason I read it all the time. But yeah. I usually that kind of stuff makes me super, just imagining a lot of the the things that take place in that book make me uncomfortable now at age 51. And so that was sort of your way of dealing with conflict. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. One of your coping mechanisms. Okay. One last one. And it's a doozy. Touching a penis. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you could say. Mean, and again, the maybe girl like, touching. Oh, yeah. Yes. The girl <laughs> touching the penis. Oh. Good. Thank you for the differentiation. Forever. <laughs> okay, you guys, we're going to have to pause our conversation right there. Because as you can imagine, we had a lot to say about Forever and Ralph and all that other good stuff. 
So if you want to hear what we had to share, we would love for you to join us on our podcast next week for part two of our Judy Bloom and Forever discussion, because we know that's why you tuned in to begin with anyway. Also, if you're enjoying this podcast, we would be forever grateful if you would leave us a glowing review or just a good rating and subscribe if you want to never miss out on an episode. We hope you'll join us next week for part two of Judy Bloom and Ralph. See you then. Information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to me, the Crushologist, and Carolyn and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, I guess there's always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded at Modern Well, a woman-centered co-working space in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. We get a happy feeling when we're singing a song